Hello, everyone, and welcome to this session for our podcast, The Library is Open. I'm your host, Jessica Zaro, and today with us, we have a wonderful person, J.P. Picaro from the Bayonne Public Library in Bayonne, New Jersey. Hello, J.P. Hi, I'm glad to be here. This is so fun. And we're on Zoom, so it, it, you're probably just listening to audio, but we can actually see each other, so that's fun. I haven't seen <laughs> J.P. probably since one of our last uh, yeah. conferences. It's been a yeah. long time. Yeah, 2018 is probably the last time I saw you. Yeah, yeah. So, JP, let's just start it off with give us your background. Tell us, you know, my, my first question is always, how'd you get into libraries? Yeah, yeah. So um, I've grown up in, in the library. Um, I, I first, I, I mean, I'm young like you. We're both, we're two young folks, you know? Yeah. Um, and... So I've actually been in the library since 1996, which is like, wow, that's a really long time. At this point, we're in 2021. So how many years is that? 25 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of years. It's a lot it's of years. 25 years. But I, 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 it's because I started out at a very young age, 14 years old. That's how old my youngest son is. And then um, I just kind of never quit. Um, I was really fortunate when I started to be under the, I, I don't even know what to call her. My mentor, my, my, she's almost like my mom, but also it's more than she's like my mom or more my mentor. It's just a very special relationship with the person who hired me, which is Melissa Kopecky, also a librarian from New yeah. Jersey. And then she moves on to another library when I'm 18 years old and she hires me part-time there while I'm in college. So I get to, again, uh, here I am 18 years old. She moves into this library where they hadn't done weeding. Right. Uh -huh. So she, she, her big job that she gave me at 18 was you're going to weed the children's room. And then we're going to look at your weed picks and I'm going to tell you what, why we'll keep the ones we're keeping. And so like, I'm getting this really amazing library education. Mm -hmm at 18 and so, but I never thought of myself as going into libraries and I think that's common for a lot of librarians yeah but the more time you spend in a library I think the more you like it and that that's the case of why you see you know patrons that you know because they like it here or in, in a college library I spent a lot of years in college library 2009 to 2018 I was in a university library same thing get the same people coming in every day because the more time you spend there the more it kind of sinks in yeah um and then you know that it just went from there i, I continued to like what i was doing oh i'll tell you a story and so what really switched my life from being like this is a job to being like this is a career yeah or i thought of it as a vocation but i i now in the library community we're not uh, there's this whole thing about it it shouldn't be a vocation. You shouldn't have vocational awe and all that. So whatever, I'll back off on that. But I thought of it as a vocation for myself at the time. Yeah. And it was, I'm in the library and maybe I was 19 years old at this point. Yeah. Someone comes in to talk to my mentor, Melissa, about going to library school. And, we, and here in New Jersey, where I'm at, we have a really great, one of the best library schools, which is Rutgers. As yeah. far as, as the, you know, the, um, the research that they do. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the biggest researchers have done their research at Rutgers, you know? Yeah. So she's going in to talk to Melissa about going to the li library school. And I'm sitting at the desk, because that's mostly what I did. I was at the desk to check out books for people, thinking in the back of my head, like, what does she know about going to library school? I'm the one that knows about libraries, you know? This was 
I don't know, 2000 or 2001. Mm-hmm. At that point, I felt like I was a walking OPEC. You could just ask me about a, a subject and I could walk to the shelf and find it without even looking it up. And so to me, it was just like, wow, I kind of like it here and I kind of know what I'm doing. And then when she came in to talk to Melissa about it, I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I can this be a thing that I do. And so and here we are today. Oh, that's today. awesome. Yeah. And then I just never quit. I mean, that I, I just posted on my Facebook like a month ago that in December, that was my 24th consecutive December because I literally just never quit. I just kept holding on to library jobs and moving from one to another. And, and I guess I'll just hold on to them forever. We'll see. Hopefully. Of course. <laughs> so you have yeah. a, a mad love for libraries, which yeah, I, I appreciate. I mean, I, yeah. I grew up in libraries and, you know, I always uh, also really loved the people that came into the library. I know I'm repeating myself, but, you know, we call them patrons or users or customers or in a college, we call them students or whatever you call them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, there was something about the people that used the library for what it was there for that I just liked. And so I was a children's librarian from two, uh, 2005 to like 2009, right? Yeah. Children's room. And I, I'll be honest, I love the Lashkey kids. You know, I know there's another big thing in, in amongst children's librarians that we really, we shouldn't be de facto babysitters. We shouldn't, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues there. A lot of parents mm-hmm. will use us use libraries to fill gap social gaps you know maybe there's maybe they're a single parent and they just don't have anywhere to bring their kids the library kind of fills in social gap but i'll be honest i loved all those kids they'd come in they'd like you know they'd kind of rabble rouse and cause problems um but they were in the library all the time and i just have this again vocational almost this i guess i have vocational awe, which we're not allowed to have but i i just had this i i just said you know these kids are spending time in the library even though they might just be latchkey kids and just street kids i know they're going to turn out okay and now that what year are we in 2021 now yeah. i have some of them on my instagram or on my facebook or whatever snapchat and i was right they all turned out great you know they all turned out great yeah so we also got to remember like what happens in, in the children's room is really going to like affect us moving forward. So let me talk about OCLC. They're really one of the library world's only, uh, you can, okay, okay, you know the research that they do? They publish this uh, paper every 10 years, um, which is called, they just published it a few years ago, their, their, their new one, which was from awareness to funding, something that's, I, yeah. I believe that's the title. And, and what it is, is it's just research about how people use libraries, what's important, all of those kind of things. Yeah. We really don't have too much data like that to focus on. So this is one of the only sort of real data points that we have to focus on. And so I, I didn't read the, the, the newest, the, the newest one. It comes out okay. every 10 years. I, I'm, so I'm, I'm talking about the one a little bit before that. Yeah. Um, but they said, basically one of the biggest indicators for if someone's going to be a library supporter as an adult was what their sort of relationship was to a library as a child. Mm-hmm. So your school library, your children's room. 
those are the two most important places for librarians. I'm talking if you are in the most research academic library out there, you're in a medical library, you're in any library right now. The most important thing you can do to sort of invest in your future is to just understand that what's really important is that the kids now have have great experiences with a children's room in a public library in a school library. And unfortunately, what I'm hearing and I got to actually read for myself is that the outlook on this year's report or the, the newest tenure report versus yeah. the one before it is it, support for libraries has gone down. On yeah. Yeah. And it's no, it's no surprise to me because we're looking at the results of sort of, you know, you and I are kind of the same age, right? What we saw was a real decline in school librarians as Absolutely. schools um, were dealing with no child left behind and they really had to focus their resources on, uh, you know, testing. What is that called when the kids all take the same test? And it went right out of my head. Oh, uh, like standardized, uh, standardized, right, test. the standardized tests. You know, yeah. yeah. They focused so much on that that they just didn't put their sort of, you know, school librarianship. Um, and I don't mean to offend any school librarians listening. What I'm saying is you're all very important, but we really sh it's really unfortunate that the school districts and schools haven't recognized how important it is on the whole. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I know we're, I don't know where we are in, in this chat, but really. Uh, so what am I saying? All of that stuff is very, like like so my experiences as a child in libraries. Uh, was really good, which is why I'm a librarian. And also, I know that anyone who's also experiencing libraries as a kid in a positive way is going to turn out okay, and they're going to have a lot of positive feelings. And so now that I'm um, a, a director, I'm back in public libraries after yeah. like 10 years in academia, um, I've, I've focused a lot of my efforts on you know, doing more programs for the kids, doing more. And I, I mean, I even do my own little story time until the pandemic happened. Um, I, I did a baby story time, just me and the, and the babies and their, and their caretakers, parents, whoever came in yeah. like once a week. And it was so fun. And we, would, we would do the same books every week, same books every week, same songs every week. I was trying to get a little repetition with the kids and, and really it, me, it almost kind of doesn't matter what we did in that class or in that story time, just as long as I had them coming in every week, you know, yeah. so I know that that's, that's going to build support for us in the future. And building support is important as long as we believe that libraries are important. JP, I'm going to extract what you were talking about a little bit here, like yeah. the importance of libraries building up those, you know, children starting from the beginning and taking them through their life, whether they go to their K-12 library when they're in school or college, if they decide to go that route, you know, going to their community college library or university library. And then once they get out into the real world and they're working, you know, still utilizing that public library. Now, I want to talk about what you've done during the pandemic because I've been watching you at Bayonne. Yeah. You mentioned how you talked to the kids and you did the story time. You were, your library was doing some of the virtual story times. Talk about that. Like yeah. still being part of your community, people are stuck at home, can't get out. You're still giving them those resources. Like talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So this is something we had just chatted about before we pressed record, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I don't want to take credit for it personally, because this is something that I saw librarians all over the country doing practically mm -hmm. immediately. Libraries in general. I mean, I'm talking. When did when did all the shutdowns start? Something like March, March. 13. Yeah, yeah March something 14. like that. Yeah. 
I mean, by March 20th, libraries were boots on the ground doing stuff online. You know, we, we were, um, so what, what we did here in Bayonne was we did a lot of virtual story times on, on, on Facebook and, and, um, uh, YouTube and stuff like that. I personally am less. Uh, it's just my own little issue, but I don't love us sort of giving all this great content to big platforms like like YouTube or Facebook and corporate interests. But yeah. that being said, um, I also was not going to get too hung up on that because the 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 that essence of the moment. We just I just had to use what I had right at that very second while keeping in mind that I don't want to give too much of our great stuff to some corporate interests. But yeah, so uh, I mean, immediately what we did is what a lot of librarians were doing all over the country. We were reading books online. We were doing as much as we could online right away. We weren't waiting one month. We weren't waiting two months. We were doing it right away. Um, New Jersey was sort of a fortunate place for like uh, to be a librarian to be a library director just on account of what we didn't have here was what a lot of the country did have which was that sort of political battle between people that wanted to close and people that wanted to stay open yeah, yeah. so we had the fortunate sort of whatever that the governor just said everybody's closed everybody's closed so we can skip over a lot of the little debates about how are we going to offer services in COVID. Mm-hmm. Are we going to stay open? Are we not going to stay open? Because the governor said, nope, you're all closed, yeah. which I, w- I was happy with because then I could just straight up say, what are we going to do to get out there? And then, of course, a little bit of it, too, is we're stewards of public funds. You know, we're, we get paid through public funds in a public yeah. library. And I also wanted to just continue to uh, show a, a return on the investment that the public makes in the library by saying, here we are, we're still in your face. Um, I, I think a lot of libraries actually have done a lot better job than, than we did in Bayonne. But also, I, I mean, I had a lot of very unique situations in, in my personal library just on account of my, my, my staffing level. It's a lot lower than the norm in New Jersey. So um, I wasn't trying to compare myself to others, but I would have liked to do a lot more than we did. Yeah. But, um, I mean, now I actually have, so far, we're still in lockdown in New Jersey, even though my library is open. I actually do have, um, as bad as all of this is, and it's ongoing and, and it's awful, I do have, I'm going to continue to have really great memories of um, all the books I read with everyone. All the Can I tell you the cutest story this is a little aside it's the cutest thing yeah i had one person who he watched uh, he's uh, uh, 10 years old uh-huh. he watched every single book we read and we read a lot just like newberry winners just things that you would consider a modern classic newberry mostly yeah. or or authors that you know didn't win a newberry but you know they're, they're, they're classic so many good books yeah and um so for Christmas, he got me two little things because he's also like a, a family friend of mine. Yeah, he got me these two little statues from Wind in the Willows uh-huh. um, for Christmas because we, he, that was his favorite. We read Wind in the Willows together, and it was uh. so touching. I I was like gonna cry when I opened I'm it. I'm already like, tearing up right now. What's that? I'm already tearing up right now. Yeah. Oh, you really are. Oh, you guys can't see it, but she actually <laughs> is fine. It it was very. It was like really touching for me that. Yeah. 
I know that at least to some people, what we did was really important. Yeah. And, um, uh, it, you know, it wasn't on the, the, the scale that I would have liked it to be on, but for the people that were involved, they, they were happy with it. And, and it will always be like a good memory for me that, that we were able to do um, what, what we did, what we did. And so uh, I want to give credit to all the librarians out there, and I don't want to take any personal credit for what we did. I think the library community and the librarians out there are just so great about sharing what they're doing. Oh, let me give one more story. Sorry, okay. I'm talking. I'm doing this whole talk without you listening. I'm sorry. No. But, um, so one thing I've always said, I've been saying this since, I mean, since I started in libraries is that here's like a little example of why I just have so much faith and respect for librarians and the library community. Really only recently have you been able to communicate if you have a kid in school communicate with your kid's teacher via email or uh -huh. online. Yep. But you can go back to what? 2000, 1999, 1998, 1997. And mm -hmm. you should be able to email the library in 1997. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it practically took the rest of, of, you know, schools and even the court system here in New Jersey. You yeah. really can't, you know, they really haven't embraced sort of the internet and we were like really not only did we embrace all of the sort of the new tech but we uh we used it we said what can we learn from it the stuff that we learned from and moved on from th there was some value there so i think librarians shouldn't knock themselves so much we shouldn't be knocking ourselves so much we should give credit to ourselves a little bit you know for for doing a good job and what we what we did over covid myself Personally, my staff, New Jersey librarians, librarians across the country, we all really tried our best to make this work as quickly as possible and to do the most. So you work at Bywater. I, I'm sure that you're constantly, day in, day out, um, getting requests from libraries about curbside, about how can we get people to yeah. check out books online, yeah. like, like how much, you know, how far can we take this? online services thing you know yeah. and, and 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 i'm just really proud that we did it personally but also i'm, I'm proud of, of us as a whole for for doing a good job of, of getting out there oh jp i just thought while you were saying all these like amazing things about what librarians are doing i was like this podcast is really a prep for uh next month when it's uh love your library month uh -huh. this this uh podcast is really setting us up for it because we're talking about our love for for libraries yeah you know, I, I want to say it, I have been amazed over the last like 11 months, just libraries have shared with us what they're doing, asking us for help, like to promote their OPAC, promote, you know, their discovery layer, whatever it is, like, so their patrons get access to everything they have. So not even just the traditional catalog. What health resources do you have out there for people? What new hobbies do you have them, you know, for them to learn that they can learn from home and, and keep themselves occupied, you know, and continue learning while they're stuck at home. And it's just been amazing to see what people are doing. You know, you mentioned the virtual story times. I've seen libraries that have done like just like online learning, teaching them how to do a new skill, showing them how to do things online, like, you know, search for resources and, and still keep them connected, even though they're not in person at the library, still connected to their community. And it's it's been amazing, you know, to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the big 
problem is that we're a little bit more connected. We as libraries and librarians are a little bit more connected to the internet than maybe the average person. So that is not a problem we can solve. I heard that the ALA council, which I'm not on right now, Uh a few days ago, just voted that they believe that broadband access should be a human right, um, which is nice enough. I mean, that's nice enough. I mean, I don't even know that everyone has a computer in their house yet, but, um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's a hurdle. That's a little bit difficult to get over. It's just the fact that like, they're doing all of it. Like, sorry, this went in my head as you were saying, what you were saying is that I love everything that what everyone's doing and all, but my thing that's always in the back of my head too, is like, ah, what about everyone else that I just am not connected to, you know, like, and so that's been my biggest challenge is like, uh, what do I do about the, the ton of people that they're, they will come to the library every day, but I don't know that they have a self resources. Yeah. I don't know that they, yep. anything. I don't know that they, I mean, they have a home phone probably, but they definitely don't have a computer at home, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, that, that's also why I try to keep the library I try to open as quickly as possible, but also keep us really See, safe. You know, yeah. um, it's, 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 we're all, it's a really difficult line to, to, uh, you know, stay on with keeping everyone safe. And also all those folks that we can't get to when, when we're doing online stuff, like how can I serve them too? Yeah. Um, so that, that's just, I don't know that that's a solvable thing, but we're, we're trying, we're trying. Yeah. We're trying. Um, you just made me think of something else. I just learned about this. It's called dial a story. So it's for people that don't have, don't have a computer. They can just call a number and it'll be a librarian reading a story to them. That's, that's so cute. I actually remember that from, I mean, maybe this is why I got hired at 14. I remember doing that at like, as a little kid, eight years old or nine years old, there was a library. It might've been Newark, New Jersey public library. Uh, it might, I don't remember one of the public libraries was doing, it's exactly what it was. Yeah. You would call the number and they had a little story that they would read every day and yeah. you call and you get to listen to it. And then I hadn't heard about it in so long. So seeing, cause I saw that too, that, that, yeah. that folks are doing that again. Yeah. And I said, Oh my gosh, they brought that back. That was a fun idea. That was yeah. a fun idea. I'm glad that they brought that back. I am I too. I used to love that as a kid. Oh yeah. I remember uh, it. And my, like, it was cool that my parents would let me use the phone back then. They yeah. like, let me use the phone and let me dial it and I could listen on myself. So that was fun. That was yeah, fun. That was um, so fun. I, I definitely am glad to see some libraries doing it. Tell us a little more about your relationship with the school district. So I keep very, very close contact with the district in Bayonne. We have a working relationship that is very, very tight. And again, I don't want to give myself credit for this. This is because Melissa, my mentor, she used to do this thing. And this is when I was a kid, I was a teenager and I, and she taught me all about this. She had the public library listed as a continuing education facility. So the, the public school district, uh, language arts, which yeah. I think at the time was called the English, you know, um, yeah. also the, uh, you know, the librarians, the mm-hmm. different, a few different departments would come to the library on an in-service day. They would get their continuing ed credits, the teachers, and then they would work on things like book, work on book things, book things right. you know, <laughs> literally just book things. And it was this way to keep this very almost like, you know, a, a relationship that's tighter than any two organizations, you know, almost can be. Uh, 
to the point that the, the book lists that they would use in that school district were basically the public library's book lists. Yeah. Um, and so I, I've tried to keep that tradition that I saw from her or keep whatever that, that lesson that I learned from her up in, in our school district here. And the thing that we always do, I mean, that's all I do is I act as the, the school district's book guy. I get texts from the, the everyday texts. I don't love doing text my personal cell phone for for like work stuff but it's okay I, I, it's fine um, yeah. so i get texts from the head of the social studies department on a weekly basis just today he was asking me about or yesterday jp we want to move past just the traditional uh poetry stuff we want to do uh he said african-american i say black whatever that's up to folks yeah. we want to do black poetry in the school district do you have any resources and i'm awesome. a member of the i'm a member of the black caucus of the american library association so i had the access to the listserv and i said hey can you guys give me lists and i got all these great lists last week he, he was saying you know we want to do read across america but we want to move past dr seuss this year what can what you know what have yeah. you got for me and and just being like the, the you know even as director, you're doing reference interaction. That's a reference interaction. Yeah. And so I, uh, you know, I, 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 I tried not to shoot them like with a fire hose worth of information because there really is that much info out there about moving past Dr. Seuss. Yeah. I gave a lot of great stuff. And I, I think that's something that is, is, there's a lot of value. This goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. About, yeah. The, there's so much right value. Back. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of value to making sure that the library is part of a, a child's life. Cause that just ensures yeah. that they, that, that it'll be important in the future. And then as the school district was moving towards, you know, they had a lot harder time than we did uh, adapting to COVID one of the big things, basically, I was uh, their, you know, brain trust on ebooks because they mm -hmm. have no idea. I mean, right. the, this the school district never did ebooks before, and now all of a sudden, our school district here in Bayonne, by the way, is still closed. They've been closed since March, so there's been no, not an, even an in-person flex since March 13th of 2020. Today is you know January whatever 2021, so they all of a sudden were thrust into. We have to do ebooks somehow. And so, um, you know, it's like, we don't know what to do, JP. Tell us about this or that. Also, though, you know, the, the big thing that we all learned there is just the publishers really, uh, yeah. you know, sh shame on them, shame on their pricing models and all of that. But uh, this is a whole nother podcast. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. I'm really not a big fan of, of, of publishers and publishing models and, and, um, JP, I want to get back to talking about how the library is part of a child's life and really tying, tying our whole podcast together with yeah. JP, you yeah. are a lifelong learner in the library yeah, from those I mean, little kids well, all the you way know, through. Let, can I tell you about my personal life too, though? Let me, yeah. let me tell you about my personal life. So um, like, again, people that know me, some people might be listening just because they recognize my name. Right. Yeah. And that's because when I was... When I moved from children's librarianship to an academic library in 2009, I really started taking a lot of my personal life and also investing that into libraries, which, uh, you know, is 
nominally good. I don't know if it was a good idea or not. You know, that's one of those things where I definitely agree with the anti-vocational awe where I, I spent so much time doing library stuff that I was like thinking of it as this is my identity. You know, yeah. it's my identity. I'm, I'm librarian. That's like, what yeah. it's like, it's like some people will say like, you're a Catholic or you're a dad or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. well, I'm a librarian. You know? Yeah. And then, so I get this job, which uh, I live in Bayonne, right? I live in Bayonne. And um, so I get this job because the Bayonne municipal government kind of was like, they kind of knew of me because I ran for American library association president at the same time that the current mayor was running for mayor so we kind of had these little conversations where yeah. I would be like you know if you need anything let me know you know because he lives around the block I actually live on the same block as him right now and it's like oh you're running for mayor that's cool you know if you need any library stuff I'm I'm like the librarian you're like you know type type JP librarian you'll find me you know yeah. in Google and um, I get this job and it's really rocked my sort of identity because this library I've said all the good things but really it was a really um the staffing structure the actual physical structure so now we can talk about the grant instruction yeah yeah there's a, a almost all of the structures were really neglected for so long that things that I took for granted things that I thought that all libraries did like we weren't doing for instance, when COVID happened, I didn't realize that we weren't really doing like holds, you know, the things that li common libraries commonly did. Like when I was 14, I would process holds, you know, that yeah. was one of the things I did. Yeah. So to find out, I didn't, I, I mean, it didn't even occur to me when I got this job to ask something like, how are you processing the holds or whatever, you know? Yeah. So when COVID happened, I'm like, you don't hold that way. And uh, by the way, so you work for Bywater and actually Bywater is our, uh, what are you guys, what, are, what would you call it? You guys are support our what? specialist support specialist for COA because we use yeah. the open source um, ILS, ILS COA, yeah. which also, by the way, as a little aside, open source is really still the way to go. We've been talking about it in the tech community, what, for 15 or 20 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, it's still the way to go, you know? So luckily it was really easy for me on a tech, tech level to get everything I needed to go up and running. But, but really, so I, um, I had this like crisis of conscience, like JP, you like, you've, worked your whole life and now you're in this library where I, I kind of, I don't want to say I was embarrassed, but so I live in Bayo, New Jersey. That's right next to uh, New York city on a map. If you look at us on yeah. a map, yeah. we like, you know, if you look to the, if you look to the right, you see Manhattan. If you look to the South, you have Staten Island. We are surrounded by New York city. And in that area, you know, you had a lot of former ALA presidents, um, Jim Neal's in New York, uh, Lloyda, uh garcia is in new york um uh just a lot of really sort yeah. of big big library folks in the country are in new york city and they're like oh jp we want to come see your building jp we want to come see your library and and it, it was like oh my gosh i can't show them this they'll they'll you know they'll think less of me they'll think less of me um so it's been a slow uh it's been a slow it's been a lot slower than I would have liked. And I've done a lot in my own personal life to kind of like not be so much. Uh, Hard like, on yourself. 
Well, yeah, hard on my, it's not about being hard on myself. It's more like uh, it's more like I'm trying to have an identity that's not just like JP is a librarian, you know. Yeah, yeah. But that yeah. being said, so um, so that brings us up to uh, New Jersey voters in 2017 did this very smart thing where there was a bill on the uh, you know, on the statewide uh, it was a statewide vote for this thing called the New Jersey construction bond. Act, New Jersey right? construction bond is always said. Okay. Yeah. New Jersey construction bond act okay. where basically the state would provide matching funds to uh, libraries who wanted to update their tech infrastructure, their accessibility infrastructure, literal, physical tech, physical accessibility. Uh-huh. who wanted to, uh, you know, expand access. Again, we're all about expanding access. Mm-hmm. We're not putting up barriers, taking barriers down. You know? Yeah. Um, and so it took them a really long time to, to get it all together. There's a lot of moving parts there. I'm oh, sure. I bet. So, so uh, finally we were able to apply after COVID had started, which was really pretty difficult time to be worrying yeah. about library services. And then also worrying about this very detailed, you know, a uh, grant application. But uh, we were one of the libraries that, is going to receive that money and which is very exciting exciting yeah, very exciting yeah and so um i'm i'm happy about the fact that you know i i when i was saying library was kind of in disarray we it was really i mean we have uh, a, like just some simple things like our our, our water drainage system it is basically you know when it rains there's pipes that go throughout our walls and they were never maintained so those are pipes from like 1930 and they're all cracked so i get you know i get water into my building and so it's really great that the voters of new jersey is like hey you know you guys should be able to fix that and once uh, once our our project is complete the actual construction is complete we will be the only public building in bayonne new jersey that is completely i mean a hundred percent ada accessible which again yeah accessibility is just so important yeah um and so I, you know, again, taking down barriers is really important, and and we're, and we're doing the best we can to like take down barriers. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm excited about that, but I don't know what kind of lesson you can learn from that if you're just listening. I don't know. I guess the lesson here on 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 the construction bond is is just like, you know, think about what barriers you've got up, and and how can you how can you make barriers how can you at least lessen them you know lessen the damage that that's being done um yeah so so there's that there's that and um that's exciting but i have i have some issues with it too i uh just i mean i'm talking 10 minutes before we started this podcast i got an email uh we actually had to put in a freedom of information request uh to get our uh to get the the rubric the scoring rubric for yeah. the grant because I, I i wanted to see you know what it was that we did good and and there's going to be another round of cash and and hopefully maybe i can know you know what worked for our first grant and because um I'll tell you this. Let me say this. It's in, in total, it's, it's a matching grant, right? So I had to come up with, it's a $2 million project, which means I had to come up with a million dollars. That's a crazy amount. Like if yeah. you're a, just a small town library listening to this, you're like, how did you come up with a million dollars? Yeah. Um, luckily, you know, when we were, when we we're talking about uh, 
you know, the, the, the relationship between the school district and I, uh-huh. uh, I had built a, an okay sort of working relationship with some of the city council. Yeah. And so when, uh, when they knew, I mean, this is before I was around that the voters had voted on, 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 okay, these monies, they, they did believe, you know, oh, we should, we should be part of that money. We should try to take some of that. So when I asked for, I had to ask for $650,000 from the city of Bayonne. Like, can you guys give us that much? And I saved up 350 K of our own money. Um, uh, so I could get the million dollar match on our end. Um, so having that nice relationship with the city council at least made it go a little bit smoother. So if the the other big lesson you should take from this today (laughs) is that, um, our work, also is very political and I don't mean political in, in a sense of like, we should be worrying about, you know, national politics or something. I mean, like on the local political scale, the politicians in your town, the community in your town, you also should be a part of that community. And that's one thing I've given librarians a lot of credit today. One thing I see as really lacking in the library community is that they not that they don't play nice with the politicians in the in the city or in the municipalities that they work in it's that they don't play at all from what i see you know um and some of the great libraries that i see in new jersey have directors who are also really you know have a have a good working relationship with our state government and specifically with their local municipal government so uh and that that goes for the same in academia yeah. you know academia it's it's almost tied even a lot more to um to the what they don't call it a government um in, in my job you know they would just call it the administration right the right. administration the right. college administration university admin and sometimes it, it's a really difficult it's that's a very difficult wall to break breakthrough yep. in both academia and in or you know medical wherever you are sometimes getting your face in with the you know the powers of fear or whatever you call it is not the most do so i i think uh something that Pete Romberg, who's the director of Salt Lake City Library in Utah, he used to be a New Jersey guy, something that he always, uh, he's another mentor of mine, and he always said about what I was doing right personally was just that I showed up, I showed my face, I showed yeah, up. that's right. And I think that that's kind of really important for us as we move forward, is that um, I, just going to for city council, um, going to any events that you've got. I think a lot of librarians are really, uh, library directors in municipalities are very smart about being involved in their Rotary Club or their Chamber of Commerce. Yes. Because that's where a lot of yep. really important, you know, you know, that's, and, and also, uh, you know, if possible, and I know it's not possible for a lot of us, including myself, but if possible, building a board or convincing the people that put the people on the board these are the people you should put on is also, you know, kind of important. Your board should be sort of important folks in, in, in if, if possible in the municipality, you can really help that along. Um, so that's also the other reason why I'm involved in every library from the very start. If you don't know what every library is, just go to everylibrary.org. I know they send too many emails. 
and they flood your email box every day, and I send them the spam. But that being said, um, I remember the day that John, who is the director of that organization, mm-hmm. this was Anaheim ALA 2012. I still remember that day when he said, we're doing this. And he had me on board right at the very beginning. And that was only because... You know, I, I I was saying the same things to him then that I'm saying to you now. It's just that we do such a good job with everything we do in libraries. But one thing that we really need to do better is, is being part of the political machine, which is dirty and it feels bad and it feels antithetical to what we should be doing. But also, you know, you need those dollars to get to get your wheelchair uh get your wheelchair ramps you need those dollars to to get to spread your stacks out so that way someone with a wheelchair can get into your stacks and if it means you've got to you know cozy up to some of these politicians that you might not like you know it's in the end just think of it as as something for for you know for your library i guess yeah listen jp this this podcast, I kind of love it. Like I said earlier, this sets us up for Love Your Library Month, but we've hit on so many topics that are critical. You know, we yeah. could have talked about the pandemic and we did a little bit and what people yeah. are doing, but yeah. you've really talked about taking the barriers down in each little segment that we kind of went off on a tangent about, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how we are so integral to our communities is just, yeah. you know, what yeah. as, as librarians, what we do. And, you know, some things may be foreign to us that we've never done before or learned in library school but as you take on these different roles you've worked in academic you've worked in public you learn the different pieces that are so important as librarians coming back to our beginning process starting at the library when you're a kid (laughs) and taking us you know all the way up to to where we are today and i was the same like you i can remember being sitting in in my library, which was part of Pathmark. Do you remember Pathmark's? Oh, yeah, stores? Yeah, I bet yeah, you yeah. had them in because I was in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, our our little East Branch was right outside, like next to the, the public, um, Pathmark. Anyways, yeah. I remember <laughs> my librarian reading, you know, each week to us while my mom, you know, went into the grocery store. And uh, I'll never forget that. Like her just yeah. giving me my first books and you know, kind of why I became a librarian today. I loved helping people. And I just remember her helping me like as a kid and, yeah, you know, sure. just, just going. Um, well, and you know what, let's throw one more topic in here and, right. and it's kind of related. And that's uh, the issue of sort of, you know, uh, gender and race and all of that, oh, yeah. which is mm-hmm. kind of important. I, no matter what your, you know, no matter all of those issues are very hot topics right now. And for good reason. Um, And I think everything that we've said still applies to those topics that, you know, so some, in in some sense, it's even more important in a a very diverse community that we're making sure that the kids are having a really positive experience because, you know, again, for the same reason, because it's going to pay off, to us later but one thing i'm gonna make about me for a while uh you you know you used to be able to google my name and find me you know and now I, I i also have been talking a lot less i've been tweeting less i've been sort of really a lot less involved than i used to be um partially because you know the new thing is 
and again for good reason is like we should let some other people talk to you know like maybe we should amplify amplify black voices yep. we should listen to you know some other folks who have been traditionally um who have been traditionally not listened to as much yep. and that's sort of in, in me maybe quieting down a little bit is is why uh, it, it is part of my contribution is just to let some other folks talk for a while. But that being said, um, shoot, where was I going with this? I'm sorry. Setting uh, other people up said, for success. Yes. And, 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 and it's especially important on that level. It's especially important that we, you know, we take care in what we do to make sure also that we're including everyone. So when we talk about barriers, we also have to recognize that there are there are uh, systematic barriers for some what they call marginalized groups, right? Some yep. marginalized groups have even bigger barriers than someone like me could recognize or even have any knowledge of. Mm -hmm. And so uh, just keeping our eyes open and being aware that that exists out there is also really important for us. So not only is it important that we are, you know, making sure that folks in wheelchairs can get in or, or making sure that, that kids are getting their books even while the library is closed. Yep. And also making sure that anyone who maybe hadn't been able to access our library for whatever reason, uh, you know, if there's a systematic racial reason or if there's a systematic, you know, sexist reason or whatever the whatever that reason is, we should try our best to be aware of that and, and also listen to the folks that say do this and do that and maybe you know try to do some of that um and so when i give these uh this whole podcast today you can on one hand you might listen to it and 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 think yeah all those things jp is saying is nice but how is that going to work in my community how how you know it's that's easy for you to say you're a white male you know that's much easier for you to say as a white male oh just get in with the politicians you know like yeah sure you can just get in with the politicians because you're a white man and so i also do recognize that there it, it's harder for some folks to do what i'm saying that it is for others yeah that being said that doesn't lessen the importance of it you know i want to recognize that yeah, you're right. It is harder for some folks. So those of us that it's not harder for, we have an especially large uh, uh, responsibility to do the right thing because not everyone even gets the opportunity to do that. So right. if you are someone who's listening that is not like me, like you're not a white male and you're listening to this, um, I don't mean to be uh, sort of like patronizing you something i recognize that it's harder for you um so try you know if you can do it you know if not it, i'm not saying that you, what you're doing is wrong and also if you are like me if you're a, if you're a white man you're listening to this really uh you've got to do more and do better and and continue to try to do more and do better because you can mm -hmm. you know so like and 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 that's why when you said oh jp you know like being hard on yourself i think there's a little bit of value or actually for someone like me to be hard on myself in a, in, on the, on the self-improvement level, like, yeah, because it, as I long agree. as I stay hard on myself, that means that I will continue to be listening to what other people say. And I'll continue. I, I enjoyed this conversation today, JP. I mean, like talking about like, just kind of where, where we start in libraries and kind of where we can take them and 
you, yeah. you mentioned like libraries, you know, have to learn things about like getting into the political sense of like showing their Absolutely. worth. But you know yeah. what else? Sometimes I, I feel like we always have to work on too is like marketing. How many people yeah. we thought about this, like where we don't, they don't have access to computers. How many people yeah. don't even know that we exist and all these yeah. amazing things that we do at the library? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we also, if there's one other thing we need to do a lot better job on, it's exactly what you're saying. It's marketing and finding the folks that are not using us, but also people that are using us are the most important people to us in that we can continue to make them larger and larger library users. Continue to, uh, you know, do what they like. Right. right. And, and if we believe that what we're doing is, is, is good and, and whatever, there's nothing wrong with, with doing more good stuff with them. And so our marketing in some sense is finding people that don't use us, but in the other sense, it's also recognizing who is using us and doing a lot more for them. Yep. Get and get and then getting them to do the word of mouth for us. Yeah, word of mouth is great. Word of mouth is great. Um, and, and and also, uh, you know, there's also one other thing. The more people like your institution and recognize that what you're doing adds value to their life and adds not only value but like, you know, like that wind in the willow story. I mean, that's yeah. not that's not. Where else are you gonna get? like a sort of literary experience like that. Like we, yeah. like I do believe that literary pursuits are important and they and they they help us grow on an emotional level and on an intellectual level and on sort of all the good things in hu on a human level. And um, I think that that stuff's important. And, and the more we do stuff like that, it also helps us fundraise. Uh, yeah. Fundraising is going to, become more and more important as we move forward and and that's the other reason why i use this platform it's like an amazing fundraising platform i haven't unfortunately because covid just started i really haven't used it as a fundraising platform yet but uh i'm hoping in a, in two years to have all of this maybe i'll come back and start being librarian jp again and start going to conferences and talking again just to say look what we did maybe this will work for you too yeah. because i really think that we're going to raise a ton of money i think we're going to raise a ton of money that's my hope that's my hope uh, unfortunately covid put a little uh put a little put a little dent in Pause, it and, yeah. And, yeah but but we'll, we'll get there too we'll get there too well, JP, this has been amazing, like chatting yeah. today and just like shooting ideas out there. I yeah. hope all of our listeners out there today can, you know, take a piece of what JB, JP has shared with us. Um, you know, and JP, I'm going to share out just your contact information afterwards yeah. too for our listeners, um, you know, come to the library is open um, and we'll have just um, a breakdown of where you can find JP, some of the, his information about the Bayonne Public Library. And I'm going to throw that grant information in there. There's a great article sure. that was just written um, for those of you that might be interested in, in following that as well. So JP, thanks so much for joining us for another yeah, uh, session so. of let's, the library is open. Let's do this again. You're the best. <laughs> yeah. Love talking to you, JP.